Welcome to Productivity Mastery. Stoy here, a productivity and performance coach on a mission to help businesses and people get the most out of their time. On this podcast, I'll bring you exceptional performers and together unlock what it takes to perform at your highest level. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. the pleasure to be with Natalie Turner. Natalie Turner is in the house, the creator Yay! and inventor <laughs> of the, the six eyes of innovation, an exceptional innovation system, test assessment, and uh, basically a framework that can really transform your mindset when it comes to innovation and what, what actually innovation means and how can you tap into your innovation potential. But before we start, why don't you, Natalie, give us a little bit of an overview about who are you, what's your story, and what brought you to who you are today? Wow. How long have we got, Stoyan? <laughs> oh, potted history. Well, I have quite an eclectic background. Um, I have worked in NGOs, non-governmental organizations, um, in Smoky Mountain, in Manila, in the Philippines, um, with street kids in Bogota, in Colombia, you know, sort of my early, late teens, early 20s. Um, and then I returned to the UK and I studied politics, actually, and worked in the Labour Party as a political speechwriter in Westminster. So I had a dose in Parliament. Uh, and then from that, I left and I actually studied uh, the London School of Economics. I, I studied um, development economics and social psychology. And there I got really interested actually in business as a means of transformation and change. And the so social psychology of how systems, how we work as individuals, but also how societies work. And, and then I had a number of years working in the corporate world. I worked at British Telecom. I worked for Research International, part of the WPP group, and a number of entrepreneurial ventures, both with other people and ones that I started as well. So it's, it's been quite a journey. And I actually then set up my own business in 2006 in London and I brought it to Asia with my husband in 2010 and we set it up in Singapore and uh, and so I've been working really in the field of innovating in one form or another for many many years whether innovating myself or innovating working with other organizations to help them come up with new ideas and and help them transform themselves because I think innovation you know it's one of these very overused words but it's really about transformation and even more so now is you know both at the personal level at the team level, at organization, and at societal level. And so I think it's a really exciting time for us now to be you know, exploring this theme of innovation, doing new things, embracing change, stepping into the unknown, making new things happen. So, uh, so this is where I am now, and now I live in Malaysia. So I live in a beautiful island off the northwestern coast of Malaysia and in a place called Penang. And, uh, and I work globally. So I'm working globally as a speaker, as an author, as a teacher, facilitator, and as a coach. Right. And uh, you had a pleasure, and we have the pleasure to, to have you in Bulgaria last year for the annual Samudiva Mastermind Retreat, where uh, what really surprised me positively was on top of all the, the business wisdom and knowledge that you brought, 
you actually brought a lot of uh, spirituality into into our retreat and we have this beautiful um, qigong sessions in the morning and and just basically all these conversations we had they were so enriching because on top of the innovation framework that that we're going to talk about today you have a lot more knowledge from diverse disciplines that you're bringing always to to anything you do so so that's really really exciting um by the way we have a couple of people uh posting the first comments somebody on, <laughs> on linkedin says hello boat hello and, <laughs> and then we have uh, somebody from actually from the samudiva tribe oliver oh hi He's oliver Hi, Tribe. <laughs> Natalie, you look great. Story great. To, you need yeah. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> great you, to Oliver. see you, Oliver. Uh, Fantastic. Beautiful. Yes. You know, I think, you know, that whole spiritual dimension, you know, talking about transformation is really, really important. Whatever our beliefs may be, you know, whatever our creeds or dogmas and things, I think really stepping into who we are as spiritual soulful beings is is part of part of the whole piece and and actually building practices in our lives that help us connect deeper to our heart and to our soul um, I think that that adds that dimension and also gives a, a broader perspective of the meaning of our lives and, and helps us put ourselves into perspective. And, I, and that's very important to me. And it's very important in more and more, actually, in my work um, in terms of working, particularly in coaching individuals. That is that is such a beautiful message uh, or like a thing to, to say. What was it for you that you you actually explore and discover? It's not just about achievement, but it it is actually about being happy and and taking care of creating, you know, this environment that fulfills you. Hmm. Well, I think it's been a theme throughout my life. Sometimes it's got buried. <laughs> uh, it's got buried in you know trying to strive after certain things or certain types of success or perceptions or meaning of, of what success might actually, you know, be perceived as in yourself. But um, I think underneath, if you sort of think of the diamond that's hidden under the you know under the soil, uh, or you know that aspect of being able to to um, to really tap into it has always been a thread throughout my life. Um, but I would say over the last several years, particularly really since starting my Qigong practice, um, that has become a deeper thing because I think Qigong affects and Qigong, for those of you who don't know, actually means energy work or being skilled with life, being skilled with the energy of who you are. Um, and that is body, soul, and spirit. That's physical. It's your body. Um, it's mental. It's your mind. And it's also emotional and soulful. And, and, I, and I think that the working with these systems of who we are, particularly like over the last three months, six months for this whole pandemic situation, I've trebled the amount of Qigong I'm doing every day because it's about boosting immunity. It's about um, having peace in the mind. You know, we need to be able to build resilience inside ourselves now to navigate change but moment by moment by moment. And it, and we're not in steady state and we're not going to be in steady state for a long time. So, hey, we need these skills. We need to become skillful at really tapping into a bigger energy than just ourselves. Um, the earth energy, the world's energy, you know, each other's energy in, in a positive way. 
I love it. I love it. And I hope those who are listening and, and watching us right now would uh, get a little bit uh, inspiration of that to reconsider, reassess what are the kind of practices you are doing to to really, you know, take care of yourself, like to, to, to have this self-care and to, to recharge your energies for, for this uh, very interesting uh, situation and uh, times for, for human for humans uh, mm-hmm. going and navigating through change. So um, Nali, uh, we today we're talking about the six eyes of innovation and I can't wait to get into that. Um, how did you discover and start exploring these six eyes of innovation? This is your own framework. That's right. Yeah. So going back a few years, I used to work um, Uh, for a large organization that specialized a lot in design thinking methodologies, you know, so we're working with organizations to help them generate new propositions for products, for services. And it was fantastic. You know, you'd be out there meeting people, talking to people, including users, customers in the whole design process for for creation of new new um, solutions. But what I found was that We would do all of this work and then a lot of ideas just never happened. (laughs) They got stuck somewhere, whether it was inside the organization or uh, they just sort of fizzled out or they lost their novelty after lots and lots of testing and the idea or the innovativeness of that idea never, never happened. So this really started me on a quest, on a search for models, for systems, for ways of simplifying complexity in a way um, to help navigate uncertainty um, and help navigate the sort of the journey ideas take. And I couldn't really find something that was human enough. Um, There are a lot of innovation models that are very uh, more more built for technology or they're built for research and development or drug manufacturing or or product development. But what about service design or what about um, experiences or, uh, you know, people that are dealing in, say, dealing with sales, you know, things that are not necessarily product related all the time. And so. That's really what started me on my quest. And because I couldn't find something either that was sort of human, more human, that dealt with these elements around people and also um, purpose driven, as in more more centered in why we innovate anyway, you know, because it's not just about innovating. It's not just, oh, let's all innovate, happy days. It's about why are we actually trying to do what we're trying to do for what end, as in what is the bigger impact we're looking to create, either with our lives or with the work that we do when we get up every day and we go and do stuff. So that's really what started me off on the quest. And as I say, because I couldn't find anything, I thought, well, maybe it's time to innovate myself and, and create a model and to use all the experience, the years and years of working in corporates, um, in startups, and my years in psychology and working with organizational behavior to bring all that together. That's, so that's really what started it all. And by the way, for those of you who are listening or watching, uh, there is a very beautiful test assessment where you can find out what is your innovation type. We're going to post links uh, in the comments afterwards. So you can go and you can find out, figure out what is your innovation type. Uh, I can't wait to... Uh, you know, to talk to Natalie about mine, but but that's a that's a different question. Let's <laughs> let's go, Natalie. Why don't you tell us what are the six 
ISF innovation just briefly, and then we can go one by one to explore what is specific for each of the types. Right. Well, shall I show you the model? Will that help a little bit just to orientate the map? <laughs> so I like to sort of think of innovating as a, you know, as a journey, yeah? because obviously when we go on any journey, we need a map. We don't always know where we're going. In the olden days, we had paper maps. Now, obviously, we have Waze and Google Maps and everything else like that. But whatever, you, you need some orientation to a landscape. So that even you know, when you get lost, you know, well, well, I've got to turn left or right or if you hit, hit a dead end. So, so think of it as a journey map. And let me just show you the model. Let me know if you can see it, Stoyan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So this is the six eyes. And as you can see, it's a circular model. We've got these six eyes around the edges and they all have different colors. And actually they have different mindsets as well. So we have identify, which is blue. You know, we think of blue sky, uh, blue ocean. It's all that aspect or that, that stage of opportunity, possibility, um, changing landscapes, changing customer needs. It's all about, it's not ideas, it's about really what are the spaces that are emerging for change um, or problems that need to be solved or challenges that we might have. And then we have Ignite, and Ignite is red. Um, you think of when you're sparking a match or lighting a match, you have a flame. Um, and this is that part of innovation where we're coming up with a solution, hopefully for something we've identified as an opportunity or a possibility. Then we have investigate, and investigate is a cool blue. It's quite a different stage of innovation. We need to step back from our ideas. We need to assess them, see whether they may work, see whether if you know it's going to be useful, not just a new idea, but actually going to solve a problem or address a real need. And then we have invest, color green, often associated with green light, go, um, or you know green money. Um, green for growth, sustainability, but it's, it's really that part of innovation where we say, yep, I'm going to do it. And it could be at the individual level, the team level, the corporate level, um, whatever level, but you have to say yes, or you have to say no. And maybe the time isn't right, or maybe you've got too many other priorities, but you have to make a decision. And that's that phase of innovation where we start to really make decisions about our ideas then we have implement, and you'll see it's a purple color. Purple actually is the hardest color historically to make, and it's the hardest work of making an idea work. So it's that phase of innovation where we get it together. We actually start to drive the idea into reality, into an impact, um, whether that's team building, whether that's you know getting resources that you need, uh, planning, organizing. So again, a very different phase of the innovation journey. And then we have improve. And in improve here is orange. It's that sort of warm glow. You know, you think when you have an idea and then you get another idea based on your idea, it's about sort of taking what already exists and seeing what you can learn or optimize or leverage or use in a different way. And so each of these eyes has a mindset, identify, we have the mindset of curiosity, ignite the mindset of creativity, investigate the mindset of critical thinking, invest the mindset of courage, implement the mindset, implement the mindset of um, commitment, and improve the mindset of being clever. 
And you can see in, right in the center, we have purpose. Well, it's what I was saying earlier. We want to innovate from a sense of purpose, whether it's what we are as individuals are doing or at the level of working with other people, we want to get alignment, alignment to ourselves, alignment to each other. Why are we doing what we are doing? And for what end? To what impact? How are we gonna know we've, we've got, got there or, or that we're in alignment to that purpose? And you can see two little triangles that link each of the eyes back to purpose. So it's not a, an, a journey as a linear map. It's very much an iterative journey. So each of these um, triangles, they represent culture and process. So to have a good, strong culture of innovation isn't just about getting loads of ideas in the door or stimulating creativity. Absolutely, you need to do that. But if you do that at the expense of great implementation or having a good investment strategy or, or working on working out where the possibilities are for innovation, then you're going to miss the trick. So you need to build the processes and the cultural environments that stimulate the whole of these areas. And if you think of energy, they are like energies. They, they, they have a way of living. They live in us in different ways, in our skills, in our thinking. And it's all about harnessing the diversity and the strengths and the skills of each of these phases of innovation and the people that are strong in each of these phases of, of making ideas work. Thank you, Lolly. Thank you. I hope you, <laughs> your, your hands are right after all yeah. <laughs> So, So my question would be, and I think people are probably curious, by the way, guys who, who are watching uh, us live, feel free to, to ask us a question for the six, uh, regarding uh, the six eyes of innovation. Oliver, we'll get back to your question about Qigong afterwards. Um, <laughs> so um, my question would be, you said phases. Are this... Is that chronological, like the, the six sides? Do you start with the, you know, um, is that like a, like a step-by-step -step process or do, mm. you, do you miss some of the steps? How, do, how does somebody actually implement this process? Yeah, it's like a really good question. It's not chronological, but from a teaching perspective, so when, say, we're, you know, teaching or um, facilitating groups or working with individuals on their own ideas, we, we will always start with purpose. You know, it's a great place to start. You can see it's a, it's a dark color. It's a sort of dark gray. It's a neutral space. It's not a phase. It's more of a, a place of pausing, stopping, um, realigning to oneself and to other people if you're working with others. So we usually start there and then move into identify to look at where are the opportunities. Where are the discontinuities, the possibilities, the challenges, the needs? It's a good place to start because that often will spark then, okay, well, there's all these different opportunities. Which one do I want to work with? <laughs> and which one is most ripe for change? Um, so actually to start there is a good place. Now, you may then go off and get loads of ideas for your opportunity and ignite and maybe go to investigate to start testing them out um, and realize actually they're not going to work. So where do you go next? Well, you don't want to necessarily go to invest unless you're just dipping in to, you know, maybe put some money behind something or to test, but then you'll go back. You know, maybe your idea didn't really work, so you need to go back to Ignite. Or maybe the opportunities change. Now you're, you're actually starting to uncover or identify where those needs are. So it's, it's think of it as, 
like an iterative way of working. Um, and, and the important thing to know, and I think this is really fundamental, is where is the idea? So what does the idea need? I think oftentimes we get wrapped up in ourselves, you know, uh, you know, or I'm an igniter. I'm just going to come up with loads of ideas. Well, if your idea needs investigation and you're not an investigator type, then you still need to go and investigate your idea. Otherwise, it might not work. Yeah. So you can't just jump these phases or you, if you do, then you're going to maybe miss out in some way or your idea is going to miss out. So that's the way to sort of look at it. You know, if you're starting with a blank sheet of paper and you're thinking, what the hell am I doing with my life? Where am I going? Who am I? Start with purpose and then go up to identify and work, you know, work backwards. And once you get into the journey, you're going to be going backwards and forwards. If you're, you know, already well into doing something, then say, where is your idea? You know, is it in a state of investigation right now? Or maybe you're trying to get investment for something or maybe you're in implementation. Maybe you need to get some new eyes, for how, uh, ideas for how to implement. So you might not want to get implement back to ignite and then back to implement. So think of it as a model where you have movement, change, resilience, movement, change. You know, you're constantly adapting to what's going on with the idea in its environment and getting in the right people and the skill sets and capabilities that you need. So, so it's. In, in some ways, it reminds me a little bit the application of it to um, tools like, um, let's say, the bonus six thinking hats. Uh, you know, there's, there's these hats that you can use, but it's not like there is one type of a process. You can use them in different ways depending on the situation, depending on where you are, depending on what you want to achieve. For a brainstorming session, you might use one process for uh, another type of session, you can you can you know go through the phases differently, right? It's it is oh. it fair to say it's uh, at least the application is you gotta see it. Has this, a you similarity, have yeah. It has a similarity in the sense of I would sort of liken those more to some some sense of mindset. You know, we often think of mindset being a fixed thing, when in fact when we're innovating, we need different mindsets. So we need to like put on the different perspective or, or see through certain eyes, depending again where the, where the idea might be. Um, Edward de Bono's hat's absolutely brilliant, fantastic. Talk about it even in my book, you know, yes, you can innovate. I think where the six eyes adds a different dimension is this aspect of having a journey map you know, a, a process map for your ideas, and then also being able to measure what type of innovator you are from a skills perspective. So not a psychological perspective, not a personality preference, but what you think you're really good at. And that can change too, depending on the work you do, the experiences you have. Um, so being able to identify how do I best contribute and therefore play to my strengths. It's like the strengths finder for innovation in that sense. So I know personally, I'm, I'm strong at identify and ignite. I'm not so strong on investigate. So that means I do need to make sure when I have my ideas that I'm reaching out to colleagues or friends or peers and saying, can you really help me think this through? You know, what are the, what are the blind spots I'm you know, completely missing here? Um, when you know that about yourself, you're far more likely 
to be able to bring in the right people to help you when you when the idea needs it and when you need it. Um, so that's that's something I would say that's quite an, a, a different dimension to looking at how to innovate from the people perspective. So what, so when you do this workshop, let's say with a with a company with a team, so they do the test assessment and, and then you have some sort of discussions, right? People have to. Uh, see who is the different type. Have you have you had any interesting situation where, I don't know, like there was a team that uh, there's only igniters or like there was mm -hmm. like a, a far majority of people from the same profile and type? Yes, absolutely. It's happened many times. Um, sometimes it's good, depending again on the purpose. Say your purpose as a team is to come up with loads of new ideas. So for example, I worked many years ago in, an, in a corporate incubator in Germany. And um, I was, you know, we were hired to generate ideas. That was our job. We were idea generators. We weren't there to implement ideas. We weren't there to, we, we did a little bit of investigation, but mostly it was more about, you know, actual generation, generation, possibility, ideas, solution, propositions. Now it was, good to hire lots of igniters for that because that's what we had to do we had to spark continually that was the job but if your job is to say or your your role or what you're actually trying to do is um you know you you need to take something and actually implement it and see it through and see it and make it work then it's no that team would have been useless at it <laughs> you know they, we were just we'd have, we would have all got very bored with the implementation maybe and you know jumped off into the next idea So I think it's, it's, if you go back to purpose and team purpose, it's about understanding why do we exist? Um, what is the role of our team? What are we actually trying to do? And who do we need to help us do that? And, and then so you can then start to see what dynamic you have in the team and where the blind spots might well be. Say you've got one igniter and all the rest are implementers or loads of, loads of igniters and one implementer. The, the poor implementer will be probably just, you know, thrown loads of new ideas constantly and getting quite, quite um, you know, frustrated maybe with their team colleagues or all the other way around. So it's, it's important to know your strengths because then you can communicate more clearly what you give, what you contribute but never sort of at the expense of what the idea needs. I think, you know, sometimes in personality assessments, what can happen there is that people go, well, I'm like that, you know, that's just me. And if you can't, you can't deal with me, then tough, you know. Well, actually, no, with innovating, it's tough for the idea. The idea needs somebody and it needs someone to shepherd it through. I sometimes liken it to a relay race, you know, so you're, you're running in the relay and you've got the baton in your hand and you're running to that next person and the idea is like the baton and you're passing the baton. You're saying, you are better than me at doing this next phase of, of what, it, you know, what we're trying to do. Take it. I appreciate your strengths. They're, they're different to mine. You go and work with it next. And then that person, if they know, then when their strengths are not going to be going to be useful anymore, they pass it to another person. So it's useful to know your strengths and be able to play to them, but not, not at the expense of what an idea might need to make it successful. Yeah, and I also think it also is helpful in terms of having, you know, building this compassion and, and empathy, having a better understanding about the people around you, because mm. I think oftentimes when we're really busy, we 
tend to believe everybody else is the same like ourselves. Yes. So why is yeah. he not getting it? It's so easy to get it because it's easy for you to get it. That's one of your strengths, maybe. But other person is seeing things differently and maybe have uh, different priorities in terms of innovation, right? Absolutely. And also, what I have sort of noticed a lot since, you know, working with this model in organizations and with teams is you see people light up uh, when they find out they're, say, an implementer or an improver, and yet they are an innovator. I think we have this perception in our head that the innovators are the igniters. The innovators are the one that come up with an idea. But absolutely, you need igniters. It's not like you don't need them, otherwise you don't have anything new. Yeah. So igniters are coming up with new solutions, but they don't necessarily always take the idea forward. They don't know how to do that. A lot of igniters fail because they don't have other people around them working with them, working in teams where they have the skill sets of these other types of innovators. So part of the reason I, you know, I wrote my book, the part of the reason that I built this is let's democratize this. Let's get everybody out there innovating in the way that they contribute themselves and their skill sets and not like, oh, well, innovation happens for those few people that just happen to have you know, white coats in labs with science and research and technology and, and I just get on with my job, you know? Let's get this out so people can start to perceive themselves differently. And if they're in their perception changes, then they start to think, actually, I can do new things. I can make a different contribution. Then their confidence changes. And when their confidence changes, they then start actually performing in a, in a better way and being more productive. So these are really important things. And a lot of it is psychological. A lot of it is people not perceiving things in a particular way. Therefore, they do not behave in a certain way. Uh, and, and so these, you know, these interesting dynamics. And I, and I love it when people light up and say, wow, I never saw myself as an innovative person. But now I do. And I'm really excited about that. We actually have a really uh, interesting question coming from Oliver, uh, exactly on the topic. Thank you so much, Oliver, for asking the question. What can one do if they have a boss, team leader, that considers igniters <laughs> as inefficient engineers? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it, it's interesting being an igniter, and having worked with many igniters as well, is that you often find a lot of frustrated igniters um, and also frustrated identifiers in some organizations. Um, and what can happen is that, and I've seen this happen a lot too, is that companies can hire in igniters. You know, oh, we're going to need organizational change. Let's bring in some fresh new energy and new perspective and new people. And then they systematically kill them dead they kill the creativity dead in the culture of their teams, in their management styles and other things like that. So it's really important, that question, because what it raises is a deeper issue about how do, how do leaders, how do managers create environments that stimulate these different uh, ways of seeing, ways of being, um, different skill sets. And if you're a team leader, you need to be thinking in a sense, you need to be hovering above the six eyes, now, regardless of your own skill set. So say I'm leading a team as an igniter. 
I will probably have a propensity for keep going after the next idea. Let's do this. Oh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go here. Let's go here. Now, if I'm hovering above and I'm seeing, well, where are the ideas and what do they need, then I need to be stimulating different people in, in different ways to enable the ideas to, to move forward. So if you have a manager that is squashing the igniter spirit, if you like, then obviously they're going to just be um, killing off any novelty or any newness at that beginning. So as an individual, I think having these conversations and raising up the importance of the whole of the journey of an idea is really useful because it then helped. Maybe that manager can't see the whole, the big picture with regards to how the different players work together. And it's if you can depersonalize it and sort of say, you know, maybe they're, you know, better at uh, more of an implementation type manager. And so their expectation on you is you need to be good at driving something through and it might not be your skill set um, to be able to have that contribution so that people can value the different types of strengths that people bring. Oliver, I hope I hope this, uh, you know, answers your question. I think, I think it's a, such a such a brilliant uh, question and also the explanation because i think many people struggling either being igniter or any of the other types you might be in an environment where your strengths are not seen as strengths and you're actually not allowed to to embrace the the qualities that you're good at and that could be mm. you know very disturbing for for anybody so hopefully more business leaders listening to this can you know take a conscious look at the people they have and, and even for the people they are willing to to get on board, new people, yeah. um, do you do you sometimes uh, do, do you recommend uh, having this test assessment for HR managers or people who are bringing new people on board to to make sure that there's a culture fit? Yeah, well, I think you know, like any assessments, you always have to be careful how they're used and how they are instrumental or not in hiring or things like that. I think you know you always have to use these things with caution for those things. But I think, you know, if you're, say, already putting, you're putting teams together, um, it's very useful then because then you can sort of say, okay, well, go back to purpose again. What are we actually trying to do? What type of people do we need in terms of their, their, their skill sets and not just their experience, but their sort of more practical type of skills? Um, and then actually think about the profiles of those people. Now, with, with my particular assessment, it's not like you just come at one. You know, these are another thing, you know, with a lot of these, a lot of assessments out there, you're like, you're just this. And it's like, well, actually, no, you are something of all of these elements on, on the model of the six eyes. You just, it, because it's a normative uh, questionnaire. So we look at your scores against a whole population of the data set. Uh, which is statistically validated. So, you know, I come up a mixture of all of them, but I just happen to think I'm a bit stronger at certain eyes than others. Um, so it's important to be looking at the whole dynamic of your skill set, not just say, well, yeah, I'm just this. And actually, the, another thing to, to say about it is it's developmental. And what's really useful is in hiring or not so much hiring, but maybe performance development or developing people. You know, we often say to our staff, oh, you need to be more innovative. 
you know, and, and what the hell does that mean? You know, what the hell does it mean to be more innovative? The fact that now we can break it down and say, right, okay, well, there's these particular skills at this phase of innovation, and actually this one is a really good one that you could get better at, you know, to help people actually pinpoint some skills for their development is really useful. So that's one way that it can be used. Then you may change because it's a skills-based questionnaire and it's a perception of your own confidence level on particular skills. So it's not a personality preference. Right, right. You mentioned a few times we need to start with purpose and I think I definitely agree. Um, I think many people struggle because they don't know where to start. So, so if mm. somebody hasn't been considering this, let's, let's talk about the company perspective first at least. Um, what could be some pointers of how can you explore and discover what, what the purpose is? Yeah, so purpose is above your vision and your mission. You know, purpose is for what reason do we exist, say, as an organization? What is our bigger purpose? What is it that we're actually trying to do to affect change or to serve customers or to, you know, disrupt certain areas, whatever it might be, you know, to just get real clarity on who are we and why do we exist? Um, and, and it's quite interesting. What I've noticed in working with some teams recently is once they've articulated their purpose, they look at it and they go, well, actually, this isn't really who we want to be anymore. You know, we actually want to change our purpose. You know, we want to look, we want to be seen differently. We want to act differently. We want to be differently in the world. And we want to tap into something new and fresh. So actually even having that discussion gives you a great uh, place for alignment. Um, it gives a great place for having voices of different people to be heard um, and to share then a common understanding of what that means. So to do that before then you say, okay, well then what's our mission? What's our vision? You know, how are we going to do it? What's our values? All those other things that we, you know, we do in corporate work. Um, you know, how am I going to show up? How do we communicate? Right down to the granular level. But I think the other really important thing with purpose is to be thinking of you at the individual level because it, the more aligned you are as an individual to the collective purpose, the, the happier you're going to feel, the more productive you're going to feel, that if you, you're, you know, you're getting up and you're doing work and doing activity that um, is tapping into something deeper in you, about you know, your sense of what your, your personal purpose is. I think that's very important too. So think about purpose on levels. You know, you have the individual purpose, you have your team purpose, you have your departmental, your corporate purpose, you know, you have societal purpose. And I, if we're not really right now questioning these big questions in the world, then when are we ever going to do it? You know, um, wow. I mean, if we're in a, such a, a time of disruption and change, it's no longer nice words. Be, oh, yeah, digital disruption and, you know, technological disruption. And every, I mean, we're in every disruption right now. So this is, I think, a good time. And actually, I was, I've been reading some really interesting research. Uh, maybe I could post it later. Just about the growth right now in purpose-driven organizations, how it's going up higher and higher, because people want to work for organizations that are affecting a bigger change. They don't want to be just doing a job. And whilst people are going through a lot of panic and there's a lot of people losing work and things like that, I think there's this sort of shifting occurring in 
who am I and what am I doing with my life? You know, how many years am I here for? Um, you know, how do I contribute? How do I show up? How do I have some sense of, you know, my bigger meaning? And I think we're seeing more of that now. And I think that that will rise. It will rise because it's, it's, it's what, where we are. It's a big, big trend that we are now seeing in the business world and in, in the non-business world as well. What I love about this, the whole six sides of innovation framework and, and mindset is it goes way beyond the, the perception many people have about innovation, that it's about here's a process, how to build a new product or service, and that's it. But what you're talking about is how can we transform the culture so we are connected to, we are all aligned around this purpose and people are given the space to be who they are within this frame and to innovate using their strengths, using their passions. So this is, this is what I really, really love about this, uh, this whole framework, uh, that it's, it's going way deeper. And talking about way deeper, I, I want to go a little bit about your you know, um, personal habits and, and mindsets that help you to, to be an exceptional speaker, uh, influencer, and thought leader. So um, I'm curious to hear, how, how do you, what are some of your personal habits? Um, you know, things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis that help you to stay at the top of your game and to be sharp. Hmm. Yeah, well, I am, I do have my rhythms. You know, I call them rhythms um, or rituals, if you like. Uh, which I pretty much follow. I wouldn't say necessarily every day of my life, but they are, if, if I miss them for a couple of days and I know, you know, I, there's an absence there. So some of the things that I do, I start my day with meditation um, and uh, I use a great app for that. I mean, there are lots of different apps out there, but the app I use is called Headspace. Um, and you can, you, you know, depending on what state of mind you're in or whatever, you can choose different things. But so I usually start with 15, 15 to 20 minutes of meditation before I do anything else in the day. Um, I'm quite a head type, though, so I find moving then in a, to a Qigong practice, uh, in a sense, sort of helps then get out of this, you know, which I tend to live in, um, down into my heart, into my body. You know, there's more the physicality of who I am. It grounds me. It, it, it helps me be more centered and it starts the energy flowing. That's what's important about Qigong practice. You start waking up, you activate your cells, you activate the energy in your, in your body through these different movements and things. So I usually do that for about 20 minutes or so. I journal. So I'm, I'm a writer, uh, but I also am a journaler. And journaling really is often to do with processing. It's very good, again, if you're a mind type because you're, you know, you live in your head. You're always trying to figure it out, figure this out, work this out. You know, it's a great way to just get stuff out of the mind onto paper. And actually, a lot of the time when I journal, I figure things out. I think, oh, yeah, I figured that out now. Move on. Um, but it's just sort of a practice. It's a daily practice just to journal. And a lot of my ideas for my writing come through journaling as well. So that's another another one that I, I do. I exercise, 
And particularly, I must say, during this whole lockdown period, I've got pretty fit. Um, whilst every, a lot of people have been putting on weight and everything, I've lost a lot of weight and I've got quite fit. Uh, you know, I haven't been able to go anywhere. So, yeah. uh, my husband and I have been sort of working out in, you know, do, he does a lot of fitness stuff as well. So, yeah, we're, yeah so that's been good. So fitness, physical fitness is, is a very important part. And then I think things like uh, good nutrition, um, uh, good, you know, lots of water, things like that are, are very important too. But I would say the ones that are really solid in my life are meditation, qigong, and journaling. Those three are like they're like the pillars of my my stability platform. If I don't do them for a few days, I feel the world starting to sort of move a bit under my feet. It, it helps regardless of what's being thrown at me. They help ground me and they also give me strength and they give me a lot of ideas as well so yeah it is just uh, amazing hearing people like you and i've also done uh, close to 50 interviews for my book with uh, founders of uh, very successful um, startups and most of them had some sort of a morning routine practice including meditation or mindfulness mm -hmm. Everybody has a different practice, but they all have a, their way to begin the day uh, strong, just yeah. by feeding their mind, by exercising their body, by feeling their spirit, right? Uh, so the more people I talk to, the more I'm you know, excited to do it over and over again myself and to, to be consistent with it because it just gives results. It's not just yeah. some kind of a woo-woo kind of a... Practice, no, not you know, at all. It's, uh, it's super practical. Um, what about what about um, you know priorities? You are quite a focused person, and you're really clear on your priorities. Would you share how do you define what to pay attention to? Do you have your, some sort of like a goal setting system you can share or a time management mm -hmm. system? Um, I, what I tend to do again, I, I, I do go back to my own purpose of what I'm actually trying to do at whatever level. And I'm thinking, what am I really trying to achieve here? What's the, what's the end game? What's the outcome that I'm looking to create? Um, and then I will think about all the activities, tasks, break them all down into what I might then need to do to move myself forward. And then I'll look at all of those and then think, and I, I tend to break them up into four quadrants. Um, and it's just a very simple system. You know, so one would be, say, more to do with sales or marketing or things that are outreach, you know, outreach into the world. Um, one is uh, another box is more around anything to do with client relationship, um, you know, actual, you know, things that need to be done with existing projects or existing work. Another area would be design. So this would be things that I'm working on, whether it's new new ideas or new new design or new product development, things like that. And then the last area is more to do with administration. So you can imagine that one normally gets deprioritized in my life. <laughs> so that one I have to. So I always am trying to keep a balance on what's important in light of what I'm trying to achieve across those four areas. Because I find if I've got too much in one quadrant, then I know the others are going to suffer. 
if I say, you know, if your sales and marketing sort of quadrant is empty, then you know actually no one's going to see you. Doesn't matter how many great ideas you've got, no one even knows you exist. So you know, you need to be making sure you've got a perpetual sort of stream of reaching out. And communicating with people and letting people know who you are, so that if they need help, they can come to you. Um, and the same on the others. So that helps me. It's a very, very simple system. It's not like a big, you know, application or anything. But it's something I do every day, and I just note, take note down, see where I am, and if things are, you know, sort of. Falling off the list, if you like, and I think actually I keep deprioritizing this. Is it really important, or should I let it go, or shall I delegate it to somebody else, or is there someone else that can help me? Um, you know, just thinking around those elements as well is is, is quite helpful. Yeah, and I think for for you, that's that's a way to be conscious about where your attention is and to put mm. a little bit of structure so you can actually have a space to create and and innovate. Because if there's no structure, then, then yeah. it's really hard. You can be just all around the place. And I think sometimes people get too, too perfectionistic about what is the best methodology, what's the best system, mm -hmm. what's the best tools and apps. And, and it's like, well, you haven't done anything. Why don't you just sit down and, and start with a to-do list? Why don't you sit yeah, down absolutely. and just, just, just <laughs> take 15 minutes every single day in which you make sense of things and you say, hey, what are the most important results I need to produce tomorrow, this week, this month? What are the most important priorities I have for this month? It's it's really not, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of great methodologies and systems and tools, but I think consistency beats them all. Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, from an innovation perspective, well, another little sort of system, if you like, that I find quite useful and I teach as well. It's not my system. It's someone else's invented it. But it's called the three horizons. So, you know, particularly now where we're, you know, we're dealing with a lot of uncertainty. What would have been horizon three, maybe more disruptive, you know, things that are maybe a bit out there, not right in our current sphere of, of, of attention. It's like they've accelerated and they've actually become more like horizon two or even horizon one. So horizon one is, you know, what, what we're trying to innovate in our day to day. You know, it could be more incremental things, small things, um, you know, things that are every day. And horizon two is more sort of those things that are adjacent to you or maybe you could do what you're doing somewhere else. And then horizon three is more disruptive. So, for example, for Horizon 3 now, I'm looking at virtual reality as a means to deliver the six eyes, uh, because obviously we're now in this time of uh, remote and, you know, virtual reality will explode, no doubt. Um, so I've been looking at that, but that, that used to be way, way out of my sphere. But now I'm looking at it more because I'm thinking, well, actually, we, this is, it's like this compression that's occurring and I think this is why organizations are, are struggling too, because you can't just jog along in Horizon 1 anymore and expect to survive. You'll be out of business. So those things that were more radical to you have to come closer to the periphery of vision of leaders and managers today. Otherwise, they won't have a business. And to be able to manage Horizon 1, 2, and 3 simultaneously is a skill. And it's a leadership skill because they need very different ways of seeing you know, Horizon One is all about efficiency, drive it out, make it happen, boom, here, let's just keep repeat, repeat, repeat. Horizon Three is not about efficiency. <laughs> it's about imagination. 
and you've got to stimulate that. You've got to get your your eyes up and out and into the world to say, okay, well, where could we go? And so, yeah, there's, that's quite interesting when it comes from a productivity perspective, in a sense, because if you think all your attention is on horizon one and nothing's on horizon three or just a little bit, then what, will you be around? I don't know. And when you mention productivity, how, how do you define or, or maybe understand productivity? We had some conversations previously also in our mastermind calls and uh, so on, but what do you feel productivity should be? Hmm. Well, for me, what it means is that, that I'm achieving what I would like to achieve in the best possible way that makes me really content and happy. You know, because you can be incredibly productive and miserable as sin, you know, um, and, and actually, is that a great way to live your life? You could be productive and burn yourself out. You know, you could be an absolute wreck of a human being. So uh, for me, productivity means to be alive, actually, to live with full aliveness every minute, you know, if you can, if you're David, if you're going through it. I mean, we all go through horrible times. You know, we all have stuff hitting us. Uh, we, you know, we feel miserable some days. But if we're in touch with the aliveness of who we are and we have a sense of our who we are in a bigger context of life, wow, you know, that's what you want to live like. That's what I want to live like in the morning. And sometimes you can lose sight of that because you just get squashed down. You get pushed under, you know, underfoot and you lose sight of who you are. And that actually you exist for a bigger purpose than just you. You know, you, you act, your life is more than just you. So once you tap into that, then productivity explodes in terms of your perception. And then if you can align your work to it, then you can start to really channel all your gifts, your skills, your talents, your strengths, your mindset into work that makes you feel alive. Thank you, Natalie, for providing this uh beautiful explanation i couldn't have said it better uh, <laughs> even though i completely believe productivity is not just about getting things done it's way beyond that it's way more than that and we should perceive it differently not only we are getting close to the end of this session which i don't want to because it's getting more <laughs> and more interesting but um, hopefully we can have you back at some point um where could uh, people actually find you let's let's uh, show people uh, you know some of your platform your channels uh, the test assessment please lead us where could people find you follow you and and you know get inspired by your bits of wisdom okay well for those of you who are interested in uh, my book um it's called yes you can innovate uh, discover your innovation strengths and develop your creative potential. And actually, every copy of my book, including the ebook, which you can get on Kindle, uh, there is a free assessment, just a cut down version of it. But you can go online, you put your proof of purchase up on, on the site, yesyoucaninnovate.com, and you can find out what your dominant uh, eye is, your strength, your dominant strength is in the innovation journey. So that's one thing you can do. On the uh, book, on the, the site as well, uh, you can download a free chapter, the Ignite chapter, um, and you can put in your details and keep in touch, touch with me. Um, so, that's, so that's one way that you can, you can get in touch. 
On the, uh, I also have a website called The Six Eyes of Innovation. Um, you can go on there, you can find out more about the different types of uh, profiles of people and how they innovate and the different services that we offer around this. And connect with me on LinkedIn. I think that's um, another, another area that you can, you can reach out. Beautiful, beautiful, Lolly. So final question to wrap up the show. We mentioned a couple of times, and obviously everybody who's listening and watching, um, we are going through a very interesting um, time of uh, change, transformation, difficulties for, for many people, for many businesses. What would be your final message to business leaders, to people who are maybe lost their jobs, maybe uh, maybe they're struggling to make the numbers or they're struggling to navigate through all this uncertainty? What would be your final message to these people yeah well i think you know when we're when we do go through times like that it's it's good to just to step back and to, to see what is this what is it teaching us what are we learning from this you know what are we taking out of this situation you know maybe you know when you're in something that is horrible it's really, you're in a gamma state, you know, psychologically, it's like you're, you're in a tunnel and you can't see the light. So it's all well and good for people to say, yeah, just look on the right side of light. It's coming around the corner, you know. Uh, they can be incredibly irritating at that time, you know, because you're down, you're, you're, you're down. So I, I would say, you know, be with it. You know, sometimes, you know, you can experience anger and frustration and be fed up. You can be sad, you can be depressed. And it's quite easy to just sort of reframe those emotions, say, well, yeah, let's just get into positivity. But sometimes there's a, there's a richness to, to our own individual and collective pain. You know, if we think of what the world is going through right now, it's a wake up call. If we don't wake up, as a human species, then we're not going to be around for very long. Um, so, you know, at the individual level, there is wake up time. There's a time for us to wake up to ourselves, to our own experience, and to also be compassionate with our own emotions and what we're actually going through and create space for them to live in us. We don't have to maybe dwell in too much melancholy for too long, but to just be there with yourself and just just give yourself some space, take some deep breaths, you know, really just see how you can ground yourself in, 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 in whatever you're experiencing and then start to say, well, where to now? You know, what am I about now? And how can I use this as a time for reinvention of myself, new possibilities? What, what do I need to let go of? What isn't serving me anymore? You know, what is new that's emerging? What is exciting my spirit? and start to unravel and follow those things and just see where it takes you. See what serendipity might arise for you. See what energy starts to emerge. And you know, there are no easy answers. And I think that it's, it's about being more present to yourself and more present to others around you. And, um, and, and yeah, touching, getting in touch with that aliveness, even if it feel, feels like it's a bit dead, you know, it's there. It's absolutely there. Like the blue sky always exists behind clouds. It's just we can't see it. All we can see is the clouds. Thank you guys for listening. And if you're looking for somebody to help you step up your team performance and boost your productivity, make sure to check out stoyanyanko.com 
for online workshop solutions and programs designed to help you go through the current situation in a smoother manner. Stay safe and keep moving forward.